Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 106. Isn't this the well-oiled machine? This week we're discussing series 7, episode 10 of Doctor Who, Journey to the Center of the TARDIS, and season 2, episode 1 of Angel, Judgment. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. So we're journeying to the center of the TARDIS, a very, uh, very deep journey, (laughs) as it turns out to be. Yeah, another Um, one of those tell you, say on the tin what it's going to do kind of episodes of like, the title is about building excitement and everything. Right, right, exactly. Um, and yeah, and, and of course, you get all of the the uh, implications of the Jules Verne novel in there. Mm-hmm. Um, no dinosaurs, though. This would have been where the dinosaurs should have come Right, in, exactly. Right? <laughs> um, although we do get, like, the weird creatures and whatever. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, in... In structure, there's not much that's the same. It's just kind of the idea of it. Um, mm-hmm. Although I do like the fact that there's like a star at the center of the TARDIS. Yeah. Uh, very, I wasn't really, I mean, I don't know that if you had sort of asked me what I thought would be <laughs> at the center, I would have had a good answer. Um, but uh-huh. a star seems like an appropriate one. Um Yeah, um, well, and since you bring that up, let me just kind of mention, um, so, uh, in terms of, like, production ideas and everything, um, this episode was written by Stephen Thompson, who wrote Curse of the Black Spot, um, which had its problems, and I think this script maybe has a couple problems, too, but I think is, you know, a better episode overall, I think. Um, Sure. And Moffat assigned him kind of this concept of, you know, give me the the journey into the TARDIS, you know, as, you know, the story that he wanted. And he kind of was drawing on earlier episodes, both in the classic series that kind of started to explore the interior of the TARDIS. Um, and then even like the doctor's wife in mm-hmm. the most recent one that both explored the personality of the TARDIS, but also you got a sense of Amy and Rory running through some of the corridors that, you know, there's actually, it's even bigger on the inside than you might've thought. Um, and that she, you know, that she files old, you know, console rooms away and she can reinvent, you know, the architecture as she sees fit, that kind of idea. So kind of, he always felt unsatisfied by those earlier, you know, uh, glimpses and wanted to actually spend some time fleshing out what kinds of you know we hear about the swimming pool um and the library and stuff like that so you actually get to see them this time yeah Um, and so we can talk more about it but the eye of harmony is that star um and in the classic series it got brought up a few times i think the concept was more that uh that I believe in the mythology it was Rassilon who sort of harnessed, you know, this star. Um, And the idea was that that was the star that powered all of Gallifrey. Um, 
but it was mm. actually, I think, in the TV movie, which again, not a lot of people were necessarily fans of, but it was in that that they made a reference to it actually being inside the TARDIS itself. Or maybe there is a, a you know, version of the Eye of Harmony in each TARDIS or something. So okay. this episode kind of aligns itself more with that, you know, or maybe they're all connected. It's not quite sure, but um, that's an idea that's been, you know, brought up occasionally. Um, and there's even been references to it um, actually in the, just the last episode in Hyde. Um, the Doctor makes a reference to, you know, powering his crystal with a piece of the Eye of Harmony. Um, and they just mention it's just a throwaway. You don't really know mm -hmm. what it is yet. Um, and I think in one of the Tenant episodes, he says something about uh, his people inventing Black Star, or uh, 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 making some sort of reference to them. Black Holes, that's what it was. Um, mm. He says something about, like, you know, oh, we invented Black Holes and everything. So that's kind of what this is referring to. Um, right, they, right, right. You know, use, they've harnessed this energy to power their time travel machines and everything. So, um, you know, kind of playing with both referencing the classic mythology, but also expanding on it and actually getting a chance to see it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I do like that. I like that it's just sort of sitting in there. Like, it's not even something that you just hear about. Oh, there's a star in the TARDIS. Like, no, it's literally right there, just sort of hanging in space. Um, yeah, right. That is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So the, um, yeah, we'll definitely talk about the TARDIS. I think we were kind of saying before, um, you know, before we got talking too much that, uh, <laughs> th there, there was, um, maybe some chagrin <laughs> about, uh, how much the sort of secondary characters play a role in this episode and that maybe... Sure it would have been nice to focus a little more on Clara and the doctor and the TARDIS mm -hmm. as characters. Um, so with that in mind, maybe we can talk about sort of the setting of like, you know, being adrift in space and, and whatever, mm -hmm. and, and sort of running into this uh, salvage ship, uh, but also the, um, just like the the van, whatever Balin brothers, and mm -hmm. having them, um, you know, just sort of talk through them and then go into the rest of the characters. <laughs> um, sure. So, yeah. Well, and there's I think, a salvage you know, ship, there and is. there's the Van Balin brothers. Mm -hmm. that, okay, that's all I have to say. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think. <laughs> I'm kind of with you. You know, I, I think I try to defend the supporting characters a lot of time because I think it's difficult for a show which is more serialized when you constantly have a, a rotating list of guest stars and not a very big main cast that it can be yeah. difficult to always have the most developed characters because they're only on screen for 45 minutes. Um and I think a lot of times they do a pretty good job, but this is definitely a case where I feel kind of frustrated with, you know, the, the 
thinness of their plot. And I think there's a few different things. I saw, I was kind of reading a few different blogs to kind of research it a bit. And um, someone made the suggestion of maybe they're just miscast because they, mm. I thought this was a good point. It hadn't occurred to me that these are three, these actors play the roles kind of very seriously, like with a lot of, yeah. you know, kind of naturalism and conviction and everything. And it's sort of like, well, these are three people you might know, like at your local mechanic and whatever. But maybe it would have worked better if they actually, like, they're written kind of, their plot is actually really ridiculous and silly. Like, their brother loses his memory, so they trick him into thinking he's an android and everything. And it might have worked better if they'd been played as, like, comedic sitcom characters that are, like, these kind of bumbling, you know, brothers who are, like, have this ridiculous storyline right. and everything. Um, and maybe, so maybe there's, like, a tonal thing that's wrong. Um, and I don't know, that might have... And then I think for me, the other thing is that I just really would have liked this episode to have gone further towards being really weird and experimental. You know, that it seems like an episode where you just want to totally do something out of the ordinary, like you've never done before. So part of me thinks, why do we need a supporting cast at all? You know, mm -hmm. like, wouldn't it have been cool to have... Because to me, the, the coolest parts of this episode are not the brothers... And it's not even the being chased by monsters through hallways. It's the, like, quiet little moments when Clara's just looking through the library on her own. You know, or it, sure. it's the doctor stopping the whole plot to explain what the Eye of Harmony is. Like, <laughs> like we're about to die. We're being chased by time zombies. But, like, don't, never mind that. Let me explain to you what this star is doing here. Like, right. I just kind of would have liked a whole episode of, that um so that doesn't really tell us anything about the van balen brothers but yeah i don't i mean to me is part of my frustration with them. i don't know that we need to go into a lot of like character deconstruction for them um and i think to kind of your point about there being sort of problems with the writing like i think it's in the writing of those characters and mm -hmm. and like things like okay the smartest brother has an accident and kind of loses memory, but he's still very smart, clearly, and enhanced right. with, like, you know, the ocular implants or whatever, you know, he has. And yet he never figures out that, oh, he can actually feel pain and right. hatred and other things. Like, I don't right. know. He it, says, like, no fear, no hate, no pain. But, like, you're clearly in pain when, like, you're getting paled by the thing. You know? Right, right. Um, so, I mean, you know, and again, like maybe, maybe you're right. Like maybe it would be more of a tunnel thing, but also like, it just doesn't fit with this character if he's really the smartest one and has mm -hmm. better abilities than the other two that he would have felt somewhere. Like you didn't even like twist an ankle walking through all the junk on your ship at one right. point, like right. something that would have triggered, hmm, maybe something weird is going on here. Um, the, uh, and then like, Sort of in the same way, like the other, you know, and I can't, I don't even remember like their actual names, like, um, but the one who like keeps going around, like taking, trying to take pieces of the TARDIS and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, it's such a caricature 
mm-hmm. you know, thing for him to just be like so focused on that uh, yeah. aspect of, ooh, I can, you know, steal this thing versus right. like someone in that situation seems like, and, and I mean, obviously, like, do- this isn't just a problem with Doctor Who. Like, you find this sort of thing. Like, you, there's always the stupid guy who, like, tries to take the gold statue that triggers, you know, right. you know the downfall yeah. of the cave yeah. or whatever there. You know, and it's just like, but, like, that, because there's always that guy, like, I feel like you could have done something maybe a little bit different with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, on the on the other hand, you get the little like epilogue with mm-hmm. with the one brother saying, "Oh, why you know why don't you just leave him alone?" You know, because I have a little bit of decency, and it's like, mm-hmm. but you didn't until like the doctor like right you know said that to you later, and and you re- so like like suddenly right, and they don't have so much decency. Like I guess in this reset timeline, he still thinks he's an android. So like right, yeah, right. All um, you're telling him is to like. Not say jerky things to him, I guess, like right in this particular moment, because I'm sure that never happened. So, yeah, like like even that doesn't like he hasn't at that point gone through whatever small character change he does go through in the TARDIS, at least, you know, to get to that point. So it's like that it's not even really believable at that point. So I don't know. I mean. It's fine, I guess, like I'm kind of with you, like I almost feel like. It would have been better to like, like maybe the the trigger could have been like, all right, he's going to let Clara fly the TARDIS and there's just like some random burst of cosmic energy from a star, you know, like that knocks it out. And now there's danger in the TARDIS, like rather than having this whole sort of salvage subplot thing that doesn't really do a whole lot. Um, Yeah. Even, even like, like there are times where we say, oh, well, you know, the character, the secondary characters are, you know, the special guests are not like that important, except for the light that they shed on doc, the doctor and Clara. Like, I don't even feel like they do that in this yeah, case so much. The only way I think they do, and I think they could do this better, because I think there would be a lot of ways to make it uh, more interesting, but... I think um, the idea of secrets are important in this episode and the idea of having a more in the know character who is keeping a less in the know character unaware of something about themselves, you know, so you kind of have this reflection of the brothers, you know, now it's different. Obviously they're deliberately tricking him and for fun and like, it's not, it's not an exact parallel, but there's kind of a mirror there of, you know, the doctor's uh, hiding from Clara, this origin of what he knows about her um, and his kind of refusal to tell her what that is or, you know, explain. And, and um, you know, the, the kind of line about, secrets keep us safe you know but do they keep you safe really um like she says we're not safe this actually isn't helping us at all um so you know i think there's kind of a parallel there and maybe that's like the one kind of thing they serve you know i mean again i think they could do it better 
Um, yeah. I, but it kind of, I, to I have that parallel there, kind of, it, it kind of forces you to, again, reevaluate, you know, the ethics of what the doctor's not telling Clara, I guess. It, except that, like, that comes through explicitly between Clara and the doctor's conversation. Like, I don't, I feel yeah, like do you that. you need them to right, really, that, yeah. Like, you're right, like, I don't disagree that, that they do provide that sort of mm-hmm. parallel and reflection, but it's not like, like there are stories where you sort of get these, you know, I'm thinking of like Ursula K. Le Guin and like, mm-hmm. you know, all her, uh, in, in left hand of darkness, all the different like light and dark imagery and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Where like, obviously it's never explicitly stated, but because that, you know, you get the poem in there, you know, left hand of darkness and mm-hmm. right hand of light and this and that. And then like all of these different, like contrasting symbol symbolism, like the parallel there seems to like the actual symbolism of the parallel sort of makes its own kind of statement. This isn't that sort of thing. <laughs> like sure. this is just yeah. like some extra characters who, yeah, kind of parallel a little bit, but mm-hmm. But the point is made without primarily them. Yeah. without yeah. them. It's between the Doctor and Clara. And, and those three characters aren't even there when that point is being made. Right. So I, I do see what you're saying. Like, I think you're right. Like, if there is any redeeming value, that's probably mm-hmm. where it is. I'm just not sure it's enough. <laughs> no, but then again, and, and, and maybe that's kind of what they were going for and didn't really... Right. Co- it didn't come across the way that it was intended or something. Um, but, but as so, faith says, yeah. the road to redemption is a rocky pass and, and maybe mm-hmm. they tripped over some of those rocks. Um, sure. So like, like, I mean, I feel like we've already spent more time than necessary talking about them. Um, I think, I think, okay, they're there and maybe we'll say one or two things more, but I really mm-hmm. wanted to talk. I want, <coughs> excuse me. I really wanted to talk, um, more about Clara and the TARDIS mm-hmm. um, and probably, and obviously, you know, we'll talk about the doctor too and, you know, a good portion of it, but yeah. um, I wanted to start off with the two of them because mm-hmm. one, we've gotten these hints and suggestions and not so suggestions mm-hmm. <laughs> that um, the TARDIS for some reason doesn't seem to like Clara or at mm-hmm. least, I mean, it, at least is acting like it doesn't like Clara right. for some reason. Like we, we've gotten these, you know, even like, you know, the message, um, you know, when she's trying to uh, in the last one and hide when she's trying yeah. to go in and to save the doctor. And it's kind of like, well, right. no, <laughs> right. I'm not going right. to let you. And and calling her, you know conceited or we're implying that she's conceited right right like this yeah. like the only person you'll listen to is yourself kind of right yeah right. like um that kind of thing and so um and that's that's where we start the episode basically is is with clara saying she doesn't think that this tardis likes her so much and right. and you know um this this idea that uh she seems to be picking up on a personality, but also at the, like she, she picks up on the idea that the TARDIS might have a personality, but I'm not, I'm not sure how convinced like she is of that really. Like she's kind of, it's right. kind of like you call your car, she, or, you know, right. Right. Whatever. Like, you know, it's not that 
it literally has a personality, but you kind of, you know, every machine has its little quirks and, and that's sort of how right. uh, Clara seems to be interpreting that. Yeah. Um, of course we know differently that there actually is a personality and intelligence and, and whatever in the TARDIS, but um, you know, she talks about like, you know, it being an appliance and, mm-hmm. and, doctor sort of chides her for that you know we're not we're not talking cheese grater here like right. you know this is a little bit more than just your average like kitchen appliance or you know whatever yeah. um yeah there's it's weird because you do get on the one hand she seems the most aware of the tardis's personality of any of the companions because she keeps making these references to the fact that it doesn't like her but like you said she's also the most adamant that you know, that's impossible because it's a machine. It's, it's an appliance. It just does a job. But then you kind of wonder, maybe that's a factor in why it's annoyed at her because she thinks of it as just a machine and she's discounting its opinion, you know? Yeah. She's Um, kind of condescending towards it and, and all of that. So yeah. Right. But then she flips right back and says like, you know, you you can't go out, out with a girl unless your mother approves. So like, again, there's this like, you know, sense that the doctor has a kind of strange relationship with his machine and right. that is kind of, you know, she's picking up on that. So it is kind of like a slightly contradictory, um, you know, and it, it keeps coming up throughout like the moments when she, uh, finds her way back into the main room and like, thanks it like, thank you for yeah. bringing me here and then is frustrated when she can't get out again so and again so maybe that means she does believe it's alive but also maybe not because i definitely talk to my appliances when they frustrate me <laughs> you know like when my computer crashes yeah. i talk to it as if it you know i'll say like oh you stupid thing you know um right. i don't believe my computer's alive but I talk to it like it is, you know, or my sure. car or whatever. So sure. it's that weird, it's kind of hard to tell exactly how she feels about it. At least at this stage, maybe by the end of the episode, she has a greater appreciation for it being an actual, you know, organic living thing more than she did at the start sure. of the episode. Sure. Yeah, and just even the the... Yeah, like you said, I mean, she does have those moments where she sort of does thank it. But then also, like, I mean, it's always hard because, like, we we're ne- we never quite know how long a companion has been in the TARDIS between, right. like, episodes and stuff and how much she might have explored. Like, but you do get the sense that there's a lot of areas that she hasn't been in before. Clearly, mm-hmm. like, the library. Mm-hmm. Um, we get glimpses of, I mean, obviously, the whole journey to the center, like, there are you know, that whole thing is like territory she's never explored before. Um, and, you know, so there's definitely places she hadn't been before, but you also don't know quite where she might have been before. So it's kind of a, mm-hmm. you know, hard to tell, but like, yeah, you just get this idea that like, you know, everyone walks in and they see the console room and it's like, ooh, it's bigger on the inside. But, like, you don't have a sense of the vastness of it. Mm-hmm. And even, like, with the doctor explaining to um, the Van Balen brothers, uh, you know, like, oh, you know, imagine the biggest ship you can. Well, 
now forget that because it's infinite. <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. Th- that, you know, even trying to imagine like the biggest ship you've ever seen is a futile exercise because it doesn't even begin to, you know, uh, demonstrate the, the massive nature of what's in the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. And so like maybe with Clara, that's part of the revelation in this is, and mm-hmm. I mean, there's other aspects to it too. Like, there's it's not only just vast like in space but also in time and in dimensionality mm-hmm. like you get these bleed throughs of these sort of like you know what does he say like there's like the flickering you know back and forth like there's mm-hmm. these multiple dimensions sort of going on simultaneously that are um you know uh parallel i guess you know mm-hmm. parallel dimensions but they're you know, they're not in sync physically. So there's like these, these, you know, who knows what else is going on and whatever, however many other dimensions there might be. And then the fact that like, there are these time bleed throughs, like kind of creating these ghosts of future and past, you know, to like come through and not just ghosts, but actual creatures, you know, that are sort of coming through as well. So, um, and the, and the, potential danger in that as well you know Mm because this is clearly a malfunction so like you know the doctor warns are like not even to touch like the other version of the doctor that's over there and right you know the zombie creatures that are coming at them you know Mm -hmm. oh if you touch it then the future will assert itself kind of thing and all of that so yeah just that you know maybe maybe it's like you know, you can know someone sort of as an acquaintance for a long time and Mm -hmm. like maybe get an idea that they don't like you, but then like maybe one day you sit down and have dinner with them and spend three hours talking, you know, afterwards. And you're like, wow, you're actually a much deeper person than I thought you were kind of thing. And like, that seems to be like, like the kind of thing that's going on here between Clara and the TARDIS that, you know, you know, through the exploration and through, um, and then like sort of the guided tour to the center that the doctor mm-hmm. gives her, like maybe that's, you know, literally seeing into the heart of the TARDIS and, you know, being yeah. in the heart of the TARDIS can, can help with that. Um, and then also like, this is, this is her part in helping to save the TARDIS too. Now, mm-hmm. of course, time gets reset and all of that kind of goes away so i'm curious to see like how much of that because we already know that clara is sort of a time jumper somehow anyway Mm -hmm. like we don't Mm -hmm. know exactly what's going on with all the different claras and oswins and whatever that have been right you know that we've been running into like we still don't know that but but maybe there is something about clara where she will remember part of it even though the doctor wants her to forget you know a bunch of stuff like given just sort of her nature that we don't really know about it could be that she does remember some of that at least or that that there's something about that lead through that that helps her make amends and even if she doesn't at least the TARDIS maybe does right you know uh there's that aspect too like the TARDIS isn't bound by the sort of time constraints that we are so right maybe the TARDIS will remember Clara thanking it or something, you know, for 
helping her and all that kind of stuff. And and the, and the things that Clara does to save the TARDIS mm-hmm. and reset everything. So, yeah, I think that's important. You know, because it does it does have the kind of uh, reset literal reset button at the end. You know, that kind of undoes the adventure. But um, you know, we've had multiple examples of that in the past where the characters to one extent or the other remember time after it's been changed you know that they now it seems like clara doesn't necessarily have a full literal memory she doesn't you know remember this primarily in quite the way that we've seen some examples in the past like where amy says you know i remember it both ways you know that i have these Mm. two Mm-hmm. incompatible memories you know Clara it seems like does lose the memory but that's another one of the other points I think that is made with the Van Valen brothers is the way that the one brother you know even if everything isn't fixed he does remember the doctor's suggestion to be more decent you know and so you kind of have that it's there's that little hint there of Again, like the doctor always says, nothing's ever fully forgotten. Like, if it happened, mm-hmm. it can be remembered, and then it can come back. So, even though you have this reset, I think there's definitely that suggestion that 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 other timeline is still buried in there yeah. somewhere. Um, when you, and, you get and, that with, with Rory, too, like... Yeah. You know, remembering the two thousand years, even though like even though things it, get reset, and it, he never technically was that yeah. centurion guy. And, yeah, yeah, so I think that's a a good question: is will or you know will she get those actual memories back or not? And even if not, will there still be some aspects of it that that linger, yeah. whether it's like a different attitude towards the TARDIS or? you know, um, some sort of suggestion, you know, actually what it reminded me of that I hadn't thought of before was even like the silence, the way that they can Mm. give you post hypnotic suggestion, like that when you turn around, you forget that they were there, but you do what they told you to do because, you know, the effect of what they said is still in there. Even if the actual memory is gone, you know, like it seems like it kind of maybe, could work like that so in terms of her relationship with the TARDIS even if she doesn't remember having done these things I think the the potentials there for their relationship to be in a slightly different place um yeah and and like you said the TARDIS is sort of more even more omniscient so maybe it knows you know more specifically what happened and Mm -hmm. And knows what the Doctor and Clara did to fix it and everything. So, um, what else with Clara? Oh, so sorry. I just reminded of before mm-hmm. we before we move on. Um, another bit of bad writing that I didn't <laughs> like. Uh, the whole. I, I felt like there could have been more finesse to the way the doctor sort of convinces the Van Balen brothers to uh, join him in his search because he like he pretty <laughs> much he pretty much outright well no no even before that like to get them inside the TARDIS uh-huh. he's, he he basically tells them 
you know, what was it like, you can have the machine and everything, you know, uh-huh. sort of in it. And then like, he sort of reneges on that and, and gets like more weaselly with like, yeah. you know, oh, you know, the, uh, what, what's the exact phrase, you know, oh, where he later says, oh, I was speaking about Clara, like the salvage of a lifetime oh, or right. something like that. Right. And it's like, like, I feel like that could have been done without him, like, cause he does basically promise the TARDIS and like, mm-hmm. you know, the machine and the scraps and all of that first. And it's like, right. I mean, okay, we know the doctor lies, but I also feel like he's been better at doing that sort of like talking, mm. convincing thing, mm-hmm. you know, without sort of resorting to direct, like you can tell this bald is sort face of, lies. Yeah. Bald <laughs> face lie in this way. So I don't know that kind of, that kind of annoyed me. I felt it was a little blunter than sure. Maybe it, could have been but. and maybe we're used to yeah yeah i mean maybe that's just a function of it being kind of an emergency and like he doesn't have time to convince them to be good people who are just altruistically helping him save somebody that he knows what they want and he promises it even though he has absolutely no intention of keeping right. that promise um i do kind of i don't disagree with you about that i do like though his fake countdown um it, or or the fact that it turns out to be you know mm-hmm. not real although it does turn out to be real he just didn't realize it that the engine's actually sure. exploding and everything but i like his kind of cuz that to me feels like the doctor like maybe maybe promising them something that's blatantly untrue is not quite doctorish but kind of engineering a emergency situation where there isn't one kind of feels like something he would like sure that feels kind of weaselly in a doctorish sort of way of well and we've oh, seen... I, I wiggled buttons and i and i made a serious face and you know and you bought it kind of thing yeah um, that's i mean we we've, we've seen him weaselly, threaten to you know? blow up the tardis before too like i'm thinking right. like you know where he had the biscuit and was holding right, it in front right, of the eyed bollocks right. you know of yeah you know, I'll, I'll blow up the target. So, like, right. I mean, we've seen him do that sort of thing, so I feel like it's more believable it's, in it's this case. Of, it's playfully weaselly rather than, like, right. outright weaselly, you know? Right. Um, and, and, like, in that case, like, I, I agree with you. Actually, like, I didn't really think about it in that way. Like, but I do feel like that is more at least in carry. I almost said more, I've, I feel more comfortable with that. I mean, you know, threatening to blow something up. Like, obviously, right. that's not good, but... I feel like that is more in keeping with the doctor's character just overall because, you know, also because it's like, you know, these are people who did something bad by, you know, I mean, something bad slash illegal, you know, slash whatever by destroying, you know, or or disabling the TARDIS with their their magna. so. So yeah, sort of pressing them into service to save Clara's life is you know, and if the way to do that is to convince them that, you know, the TARDIS will blow up if they don't it. help. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, even that doesn't really work because then they go around trying to salvage stuff anyway. Like, they don't end up really looking they're for real, her They're all not that really much. helping. I mean, the yeah. one brother does, but you also get the feeling, like, he would have. Like, of the three, right? you know, the one, the android one, the right. fake android one, would perhaps have helped anyway like right right uh you know so i don't know like it again like maybe we're spending too much time on that particular aspect of it that was just one spot where 
I felt the writing could be better. Um, sure. But I, I, I agree, like, definitely the, the countdown stuff seems more keeping in character with uh, the Doctor mm-hmm. as we know him. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't get into a spaceship with a man, mad madman. Didn't anyone ever teach you that? Uh, which, what does that say about Clara and all the other companions, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and her line at the end about, um, she's more scared of him than, you know, after having right. just gone further into the TARDIS than ever before and been chased around by scary monsters, which are herself she's even found out that not only are these scary monsters but this is potentially her own future still the scariest thing is who is this person that i just got into this you know like mm-hmm. i just sort of handed myself and my life over to this stranger nut in a box and he's the scariest thing inside there you know that just right. that idea of who am i trusting um and yeah. And do we really know him? Because, you know, it becomes clearer and clearer that there's all this stuff that he's not telling her, you know? And, well, and it's funny because, like, at that point, he's actually telling her the truth. Right. Like, so there's there's right. this there's this weird dynamic of the, the very earnestness that he has in telling yeah. her all of this, that it's that it's more scary than sort of the fun and mm-hmm. kind of hiding of mm-hmm. the full truth anyway. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that he's done before. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, there's, there is that moment. And I think there's, to some extent or another, all of the companions have sort of gone through that of the, oh my God, what have I really done? <laughs> right. You know, yeah, what did I sign up for? Yeah, like, oh, hitchhiking will be fun. And then you get into a car and it's a weird, creepy yeah. dude, you know. Right, right. Maybe that wasn't such a great idea. Right. Um, not that I'm saying the doctor's creepy, but there are times when he is kind of creepy. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think when he's, like, confronting her on the edge of a cliff and, like, she's edging closer to the end. Yeah, and, like, kind of like, whoa! Yeah, you know, and holding he's her by like, the shoulders and yeah. And he's like accusing her of all this stuff. Like he kind of outright accuses her of not telling him what's going on. Like right. you know, who are you? You know, just tell me. We're gonna die anyway, so tell me, you know, is it you know and he asks, like, is it a trick or a trap? Like, you know, this kind of fun companion with a mystery is exactly the his the kind of doctor bait you would expect. So like <laughs> Who's, yeah. who's trying to lure me in, like, you know, mm. a fun new companion with a mystery to solve. Like, of course, there's got to be a catch, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, she clearly has no idea what he's talking about, but that he's kind of demanding that she explain something that she doesn't even know what he means by it. Um, I think he's definitely creepy in that section. And- and there's there's the whole you know the secrets protect us secrets make us safe but that doesn't apply to him like he still wants to know right. what right what he thinks is a secret right. that it's she's keeping secret. from her yeah. from him I mean yeah. so like there's there is a bit of a hypocrisy going mm-hmm. on which is not the first hypocrisy we've seen the doctor have um, yeah. certainly but yeah so um. 
let's see. So like, let, we've kind of gotten away from talking about like the TARDIS and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I know you wanted to sort of talk through maybe not like every room we see, but mm-hmm. you know, cause they do go through a lot of different rooms, but like yeah. some of the main points, I mean, for me, like the big one is sort of the library where she discovers the yeah. history of the time war. Right. Uh, right. and, and apparently learns the doctor's name. Right. Uh, yeah. which, which is not something I would have, would have guessed, like, I mean, cause I mean, first of all, it's a huge volume. So like, where mm-hmm. did she see that? Was it like, maybe it was like an inscription, but like, yeah. who wrote the history of the time war? Right. That's a great question. Yeah. And the, I mean, the obvious choice is that this is his, you know, there and back again. Um, right. <laughs> you know, that this is, that he's like Bilbo it. Baggins and, mm-hmm. and after the fact has spent right. some vast quantity of time. Right. Which I a mean, thick book. Yeah. I mean, which, you know, he has, it's not like, you know, he hasn't, it's, you know, it's I like mean, he, he could time, spend 10 yeah. years on it and it's still not, yeah. you know, a big yeah. deal necessarily. But, yeah. um, but yeah, like there's definitely some chronicling has gone on by mm-hmm. someone and, uh, yeah, again, quite a thick book. So maybe, maybe, maybe it's by him. Maybe it's there's a title page that says "History of the Time War" by, yeah, the Doctor. But so instead so. of the yeah, Doctor, yeah. it's his name. Or maybe it's like his name, but like in the middle, it's like the Doctor in quotes. You know, like mm-hmm. blah blah blah, the Doctor, blah blah blah. Right, <laughs> like right, they right, do right. with uh, nicknames. I don't. Know. <laughs> Just I'm going off the rails here. I think, but um, no, yeah, I remember seeing that for the first time and getting really excited. <laughs> um, right. And, ag- and again, you know, that fear too of Moffat playing with fire. Like, do we really want to know the doctor's name? But you kind of do, um, you know, and just the idea that that's such a tease that she sees it and we don't, you know, right. and oh, she yeah. goes, you know, so that's who, you know, um, and especially which, you know, because, which is, which is that line that line being about the name, you know, but also so much more than that too. Like the question, you know, right. behind the name, which is who is the doctor really? Um, well, and, and that's, that's the thing, like that insight that she gains there. Like, I mean, even in, in itself, like the, her reaction to learning the doctor's name tells you a lot because there there's, and not that this is the first time that this happened, but there's like, it's not just that like the doctor hides his name because he doesn't want people to know his name. Like, mm-hmm. like there are people who, you know, maybe don't want people to know their real name or whatever. But like mm-hmm. when you hide your name, you're hiding all of the associations, you know, yeah. with that name um, and, and the history, you know, mm-hmm. you're kind of hiding time itself in a way, you know, like by hiding your name, you know, because of all the stuff that is associated with that. But there's like, it seems like even more than that, like even more with the doctor's name and with sort of Clara's reaction to it and even sort of the discussion. Um, and the fact that like, like that seems to be his, his main concern with her, Mm -hmm. you know, with wanting her to not remember things is, if I rewrite today, you won't remember, you won't go looking for my name. Like yeah. that's the concern is like that he, it's not even about like that. He cares whether or not she remembers the events of the day. 
that's the thing he doesn't want her to remember right. or to know about and and to discover again um and right. there's and and remember what he says secrets keep us safe that that's there that's right. a safety so, precaution of some kind so i mean and the thing that all of this sort of implies to me and where where i'm kind of going with all that is that like it's not just that his name reveals like you know uh you you know say uh, well i you know i don't know that there's any still alive today but like say like you know there was some like you know old german nazi living somewhere under an assumed name and then mm-hmm. someone suddenly finds out you know oh this is really you know otto von bad guy and he, <laughs> you know you know he was a nazi war criminal and now we know that and you know we know this like personal history of his and it's terrible like I don't even get the sense that that's the case with the doctor because uh-huh. like how would how would Clara know like what that name signifies? Right. What I get the feeling is that the doctor's name itself reveals some kind of like objective cosmic secret of the mm. universe. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like that there's this that there's this I mean, I don't I'm not a big fan of like platonic philosophy and the platonic ideal but i get the feeling that like this this is the sort of like level that we're talking about when Mm -hmm. like the doctor's name is known uh by someone and that and that that's why only sort of the most trusted people Mm -hmm. uh you know who are closest to him know it and and not even all of those i mean like amy and rory never learned the doctor's name right you know uh the just only, River that we know. I was going to say right? the only one that we know is River, who's at mm-hmm. least at least of people who are still alive, you know, right. time lord right, or right. otherwise. Like the yeah. only one we know of at this point is River, and now for Clara to discover that and and to discover it on her own, not to be told it by the Doctor uh-huh. in sort of a trust relationship. I mean, that has to scare him to some degree too, right? Uh, you know, and it, and it shows like for as much as we talk about like Clara and the TARDIS sort of growing together this episode, like there's also the fact that like her sort of curiosity and going deeper into the TARDIS is also going deeper into the doctor's life Mm -hmm. too. And, and I mean, we've talked about how entwined the doctor and the TARDIS are and clearly, you know, again, with like the doctor's wife episode and all of that, like, you know, just like. Just like any couple who has a 900-year relationship, you know, they're going to have secrets that each other have kept, you know, for that long period of time. And, and this is, this is Clara, uh, I mean, the doctors invited her into the TARDIS. So theoretically, like, there's, there's a level in which she's completely okay with, you know, sort of wandering around and finding things out like but there's also like just because someone invites you into their house doesn't mean you're invited to go into their bedroom and dig through their closets Mm -hmm. you know so like like there there's sort of a sense of that here that like even though clara is invited into the tardis and is the companion and everything that maybe she's kind of a little bit out of bounds with some of this stuff uh and some of her snooping yeah, I you know, uh, and and even like to the point where like 
we see her else, you know, at other times, like, you know, she sees the red light. Red light means I shouldn't open this. Oh, I'm going to open it. You know, yeah. like, you know, very, like, very doctorish thing to do. Don't it, whatever it, you do, don't press that button. And of course, you it, press it. It, you know? it is. But at the same time, like, that doesn't mean that the doctor is always right in doing it either. You or know that I mean? he wants her doing it. In or his that vice versa. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. Right. Because as we noted, the doctor has sort of different ideas of what's proper between himself versus right. other people. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, anyway, like, there's, there's definitely, um, there's definitely some interesting stuff going on there. And, and, and just that, like, you know, again, like even even with River, like even with River finding out his name, mm-hmm. I don't think there was that cosmic sense. Again, like it, it was more the personal of like, oh, you trust me so much that mm-hmm. like I'm the only one who knows your name. Right. Um, but like with this is like with it, it's just that line of the oh, that that's who. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, oh, so that's your real name. Oh, OK, I'll I'll call you Johnny from now on because Johnny's your real name. Like, it's right. not like that. No, it's like she it's, understands something that she. Right. Like that she under like that. There's again, like there's sort of this cosmic universal truth being revealed by it. And yeah. and that also like as part of that she understands why it's a secret mm-hmm. <laughs> or that the doctor wants it to be a secret anyway right right um, so i have two things to respond to that one is like the one thing i think does definitely support that too is that at the end she does kind of ask him when she says like you know i don't want to forget everything and she specifically says i saw the name i'd like to not forget that you know and mm-hmm. and she says like you know I saw your name. Why do you hide it? It's, and he kind of stops her and says like, you know, what, you know, when we rearrange or redo today, you won't go looking, you won't remember it and you won't go looking for my name. So like, that does seem the thing is like, it's, it is less the name itself than the knowledge that the name covers up, I guess. Like, like you're right. Like it's that idea of, you might go looking for it, you know, Mm. um, that seems kind of dangerous. Um, and then the other thing I want to, as you're talking about cosmic significance, so not just significance to the doctor, but to, you know, the wider big picture. Um, I think it's a good thing to remind ourselves of the whole prophecy of the first question, you know, that, if if you remember your mythology, it's, it's, you know, Doctor Who is the first question. And the whole right. idea behind that is that um, it's the question that must never be answered, you know, and, and silence must fall when the question is asked um, and answered. And that the whole reason that the silence were trying to assassinate the Doctor was to prevent the question from being asked. So that's totally cosmic. Like... You know, you have this kind of cult, you know, that grows up to avert this terrible question, which has kind of universal cosmic significance for everybody. If it, mm. you know, if the question of Doctor Who gets answered, um, you know, it that seems very cosmic to me. So I think this is that kind of hinted at this direction. And this is like definitely confirming that that's sort of the idea um sure is that 
who he is, his name, but also who he is, um, have potentially catastrophic implications if they're ever answered. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think those are good deductions. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely was kind of thrilled when I saw the episode for the first time and, um, saw that they're kind of further laying groundwork in that direction. Um, sure. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to keep our eye on when and if that, that topic comes up again. Um, but, well, to kind of, I guess, finish off with the TARDIS, yeah, like, I think the library is definitely probably the key room that we see, um, and I like that it's, you know, he's showing off, it's the biggest library ever, and it reminds me of, like, the Grand Library in Beauty and the Beast, you know, when there's, like, mm. you know, uh, stories high bookshelves and just, you know, every book you've ever, you could ever possibly think of is in there. Yeah. Um, but I like too the little glimpses of some of the rooms that we've heard about, like the swimming pool. Um, and yeah. you know, they go by and there's that sort of big old telescope, you know, for, yeah, that, yeah. Some, that somehow has a skylight, you know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I, I thought of that too. And I'd like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but there's hey, also a star to look at. There's also the... a star, yeah. Um, yeah, no, and, and you know, the the Eye of Harmony is pretty cool. And that how that is kind of like an engine room, like it's kind of hot and fiery, but instead of being like, you know, a furnace, it's just a big star just sort of sitting there. Um, you know, and just that the, the, the little things like, the kind of labyrinth quality of the hallways that can shift and twist around. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which it's just nice to get a glimpse at kind of how that works. Which we've gotten a taste of before, but like definitely not on the same yeah. scale. Yeah. This isn't like, you know, first season of Buffy where they use the same hallway for all the shots right. of the school. Right. <laughs> um, um, well, it probably is the same hallway. They've just, put the camera at different angles <laughs> i mean time. all right but it so gives, maybe it is but yes. but it gives that 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 sense of you could never find your way out of here unless the tardis let you leave kind of thing um you know and the doctor says it's infinite because probably he's never seen the whole thing you know i get the sense of like he's not necessarily journeying to the center of the tardis all that often you know he kind of knows how to get there but it's pretty big even by his standards, so. Right. Um, yeah, and um, even, even I mean, it's also infinite because it can change. So, like, yeah. there's just an infinite arrangement. So there's no rule. Yeah, there's no rules over how it can be set up. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess just the last couple things, too, that the, the little junk room you know, which has kind of childhood things in it, like, you know, the cradle that we saw and Amy's mm -hmm. toy TARDIS. Um, and she picks up an umbrella, which looks like the, the Sylvester McCoy doctor always had an, um, he always had question marks all over him. Um, it was a very literal time. So he had like a sweater, which had question marks and his 
umbrella was sort of in the shape of a question mark. So kind of um, like the Riddler. <laughs> kind of like the Riddler, yeah. In case you forgot the show was called Doctor Who, you know, he's there to remind you. So um so there's little bits of like, you know, the past and everything. Yeah. Um yeah. and I also like the bottled encyclopedia Gallifrey, you know, that it's sort of like an audiobook, like a magical audiobook. Uh, you know, and she knocks the bottle over and you kind of get a bit of it that floats up into the air. So, you know, again, I like those little touches. I kind of wish there were more of those kind of weird little quirks and stuff. Um, but I think the ones that you, you would have liked the 45 minute episode of just Clara wandering around the TARDIS. Totally. Absolutely. I would have. Um, so, you know, that's me. Maybe that wouldn't make for very exciting viewing but I think I even though I wish there were more of those little touches I like the ones that we get so sure um, you know I think they do a pretty good job of leaving you maybe wanting more if there's a positive way to look at it so do we have anything final about the Doctor or Clara that we didn't cover before we finish up. No, I mean, I'm just, again, going back to the reset thing, I'm just curious mm. to know what what it is that Clara will remember after mm -hmm. all of this is said and done. So, you know, I, I other than being curious about that, I don't know that there's much to say. Yeah. Um, you know, things like, I mean, I suspect she won't remember the name, but, like, will she remember, like, that she knew it or that it's available somewhere right. in the TARDIS? And maybe just, maybe the TARDIS won't want her to find it, uh, you know, and so will prevent her from doing so. Mm -hmm. um, how will her relationship with the TARDIS change? Will the TARDIS at least remember that, mm -hmm. you know something had changed will clara even sort of feel differently like you said with the, uh you know the brother who sort of remembers a little bit um right about what the doctor said and that kind of thing so you know just those sorts of curiosities um you know she also has the burn mark on her hand so like right i guess she'll remember that because the burn actually happens like Right. No, I in, guess that happens. The reset timeline. Actually, that yeah. happens, though, before the Doctor actually resets it. So, that's interesting. Because he presses the button, and that's what resets it. Right. But she does pick it up. Um, before he presses it. Before he presses it. But... I don't know that it ever gets brought up again, so that doesn't... <laughs> I'm okay. not... So... I'm not I'm not actually confirming anything. Um, but she yeah. actually does pick it up before he presses it. So I suppose it's possible that she's left with this, you know, big friendly. No, but, I, burn but I'm saying head. when he presses it, it's reset. So it would go back to before. Right? I don't know. Yeah. Well, anyway, neither here nor there. If it never comes up again, then it's a moot point. Or a moo point. A moo um, point. It's like a cow's opinion. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. So just just some things like that. Like just curious about, you know, mostly about the name, but also oh, uh, and also about 
all the things that he sort of says to her about herself and like how much she'll remember or not remember about just the the very things that you know he's yelling at her for on the edge of the cliff there and 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 still like okay i mean i feel like we can believe her that she doesn't know what he's talking about Mm -hmm. and like we can believe like even from the last episode we can believe uh, the psychic there what's her name you know about like you know that she really is just a normal human girl Mm -hmm. but that doesn't change the fact that the doctor has met her or some version of her in other instances so like there's still this mystery there and actually you know you're bringing up of things like the first question and you know Mm -hmm. the silence and all that reminds me that like there's stuff that never like (laughs) fully fully never you know never fully got resolved so like will that come up i mean it would be totally like moffat to just like bring it up like in the last couple episodes you know here again of the season and you know return to that i honestly had sort of forgotten about all that yeah so i think you totally do because Season seven really, again, with this kind of push towards these, like, even though we have this ongoing mystery of Clara, which has been the one mystery we've been sort of tracking, um, it's been more standalone and it pulled away from those big mythological things that he set up, like all the stuff of, you know, we still don't know about the where, where the crack came from, you know, really. Um, I mean, we kind of know why it happened, but we don't know. We know it happened because of the TARDIS, but we don't and, know why the TARDIS was blowing up. And, and um, you get sort of the half reminder of that with, with the, kind the of crack, crack that he goes here. through. Yeah. 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 Um, although yeah, this is like, like a crack within the TARDIS, so like it's not the same. It's not the same, but it does remind you of it. But so, it does. Absolutely did remind me of it. So we are kind of getting, yeah, like not overt nods, but like little hints like, oh yeah, don't forget about the crack. Oh yeah, don't forget about the doctor's name. Oh yeah, don't forget about, you know, the silence and all that kind of thing. Um, mm. That stuff is still out there. Um, yeah. You know, and I think that we and the doctor have been kind of distracted by Clara for a while, but and yeah, it's good to kind of be reminded of it. Right. Distracted by Clara and and just like even the fact that like you get like a mid-season replacement of companions. Right. Like that's yeah. something that didn't, that hasn't really happened. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, just this, this idea of like it, I mean, it, it was a different era that it happened in and like right. stories in Doctor Who tend not to cross those. Right. Right. Those, those were all like pond era questions you know so so and maybe that's a difference here that we need to make sure we don't forget about but Mm -hmm. um yeah it is all you know all all of the above anyway those are all sort of questions that i have and and yeah you know i don't i mean the problem with having questions with doctor who is that they may just never get answered so you have to be prepared for that potentiality. Right. Or they could get left open and answered by another writer, you know? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Years down the road. Years down. Right. The, who knows? You know, so we'll, uh, we, we will see. Um, when, when, which, when they make, when they do their eight year plan with movies. When they do the Marvel eight year. Oh God. All right. <laughs> on we that already note. talked about all that. Let's move on. All right.
Um, Angel. All right, let's move on to Angel, season two. Um, yeah. You have a couple production notes for the I know, shocking, because yeah. normally that's your bailiwick. That's but, my job. Um, yeah, just just a few things. So one, I wanted to point out, so we, we talked um, last week about the beginning of season five of Buffy and how uh, Marty Noxon is the one now writing and directing rather than Joss Whedon. So um, we get this same sort of thing. Excuse me. We get the same sort of thing here with David Greenwald. Um, so we have th- the story is by both David Greenwald and Joss Whedon, but mm-hmm. but Greenwald actually wrote the the teleplay and uh, and and uh, it was directed actually by Michael Lang. So he you know Greenwald didn't direct it, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. So just just these uh, you know again it's it's not that Joss Whedon is out of the picture, but like maybe there's a little more, you know, direction being given by mm-hmm. um, sort of these other showrunners and, you know, executive producers or whatever. Um, not a huge deal, but just wanted to sort of make that note. Uh, the other, the other thing is I wanted to um, talk about uh, this is, we get the first appearance of Andy Hallett, who uh, is known as the host Um mm-hmm of Caritas here. And, um, he, he actually becomes a fairly regular guest star. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't say like how much or, you know, what his role becomes. Um, okay. but he's, I mean, I think you can see he's sort of a fun character, yeah. uh, you know, just based on his interaction with Angel in this episode. Yeah. Um, and all of that. So, uh, want to point that out. Um, and I'll, and I'll go ahead and, and just say, um, he is so unfortunately, uh, we, th- this is another, uh, actor who ends up having sort of a tragic, um, and, um, uh, fortunately he continues through with his appearances on Angel, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, that he, uh, you know, is able to at least finish out that series, but, um, not for any fault of his own, but he actually ended up developing like a rare, um, a, a, a rare disease that uh he ended up hmm. passing away in 2009 and and it was uh-huh. this this his role on angel is really the one that he's sort of best known for he did go on to do um a few other things um mm-hmm. but uh yeah he, he it was like this weird like it wasn't even like like a disease, I guess, really. It was like um, a dental infection and it like, but oh. it like got into like his bloodstream and like led to his heart and created all this like heart problems and stuff and ended oh up, um, like it didn't kill him right away, but uh, like for several years he had like all, you know, these different hospitalizations and then ended up dying um, at the age of 33 in 2009. Wow. So um, yeah, yeah, like he's, just a couple well was just a couple years older than me so it's like not you know this very you know very bizarre kind of weird infection thing that happened and and suddenly you know he passed away so um but he he's definitely uh you know in in angel like i said he he becomes a recurring character Mm -hmm. i won't you know again go into any of that stuff because like I really enjoy the character of yeah. uh, 
he, we, we learn his like real name in a later episode, which I almost said, but I'll, I'll not say it at this point. It's not okay. like, it's not like the doctor learning his name or anything, but like it's silence you know, isn't going to fall. If, it is, if... it is fun to sort of just kind of see his, his journey mm-hmm. and, and all of that. Yeah. Um, um, no, I, were there more production? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, cause I kind of wanted to start with him cause he sort of starts the episode and then keeps kind of popping up throughout it. Um, but I, really liked him I wasn't sure at first I thought you know when it first started I thought you know is is this a little too silly I couldn't quite tell how I felt but as it went on and then definitely on the second watch I was like all in I'm like okay I like this character um because you know what it is just so silly that it's great um like it it you know kind of just keeps getting a little bit more ridiculous as it goes on um and but i like to the way that um we've had i kind of wanted to start with him and and talk about not just him but also his sort of karaoke bar and everything um because we've Mm -hmm. talked a lot about in buffy but especially in angel this idea of the maybe not evil demons and everything and we've had varying you know we've had uh, Doyle the half demon and who was good and and we've had demons that aren't necessarily good but they're not really pure evil either maybe they're just sort of like Merle like these kind of mm-hmm. shady people who are just sort of trying to get by like maybe they're not killing anybody but they're not like yeah you know, or even they're not like, exactly heroic either um, yeah like even in the episode where Doyle dies like they're trying to save like these half demon right half right. people you know who are being hunted by like hunted the pure by demons other people and, yeah you know and and that kind of thing so like you you get this yeah you definitely get a much more broad and interesting mix yeah but I feel like between the host and between we don't see much of the the protector demon like the prio motu or whatever but Mm -hmm. between the two of them you actually get some demons who seem to be like genuinely good um like are not just not evil but are good in that they actively are heroic and help people you know you get this big you know demon who is protecting this woman and fighting for as her champion which we'll talk about later but with the host it seems like unless there's shady stuff going on in the back that I don't really know about, it seems like he's established this place, which has the front of a karaoke bar, but is his means of helping people like that. He, Mm. you know, they sing and he reads their psyche and their aura. And then he kind of gives them that advice for whatever they need. Um, And I don't know, maybe the things he's helping them to do aren't totally on the up and up, but it seems like he's kind of trying to talk them out of some of the nastier stuff. Like, you know, there's more to life than eating your young and, you know, and he encourages Angel to try to fight for the woman. And it seems like not just this is his job, but like he genuinely wants him to help her, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that moment of like, you know, can I save her? We'll try and find out. Like he is encouraging him to, to try and to do the right thing. Um, so again, we don't know him that well, but not only did I kind of find him funny, but I kind of enjoyed the fact that he seems like 
like a good person, like from what we can tell. Um, and it's a slightly new color from what we've seen on what demons can be like, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think, if anything, that's kind of the point of this episode. Like, I think that's... Mm-hmm. I mean, not to get into, like, explanations of, like, where season two is going, but I mm-hmm. think part of the reason... I mean, there's a number of things. that We can talk about, like, sort of how... um you know, how, like, the team functions and all of that, too, because, like, there's definitely some dynamic that, mm-hmm. you know, there's stuff where they're doing really well, but then other stuff where they're maybe, you know, need to work on a little bit. Yeah. But, like, from a, from, like, sort of a broad perspective, I think, I think this is very much, you know, we're coming out and saying, look, we've, we've done the, we've done the, you know, demons are bad thing. Now let's do the, hmm, what exactly about demons makes them bad? And is it true that all demons are bad? And what exactly, you know, so like you get the, you get this host guy, which you're right. Like we don't know at the beginning of this, like, I mean, he may be telling Angel to go save the woman because that's what he reads in Angel's aura that Angel really wants to do. Right. He may be going and telling, you know, some other big, bad, scary dude to kill all the children because that's what his aura says and what he wants. Like, we don't we don't have any. I mean, I think. Part of part of the character, like we just sort of want to believe him, like clearly people go there to like seek him out. He's got like a charismatic personality and, you know, like just kind of has this thing. But we don't really know what his motivations are for Mm -hmm. having this place. Um, but also like there's the hint of the name of the place is Caritas, which, right, you know, right, which, right, right. which Angel even, you know, explicitly states, you know, is Latin for mercy. And mm-hmm. so, um, and especially, especially with this, so you get, you get the framing of, uh, I almost said his name again, the host, uh, at the beginning, um, it's not a huge deal if I do slip up, but I, you know, again, um, you know, you get, you get the beginning with the host sort of describing like, you know, it's hard to see the future. It's hard to know what to do. Well, this is a guy who's telling people what to do and Mm -hmm. what future lies before them kind of in a way. Um, but, but even he's like saying, this is a hard thing to do. And then you have the framing at the end of faith who's saying the road to redemption is a rocky path. Yeah. You know, and, you know, do you think we might make it? And Angel's saying, well, we might, you know, like Mm -hmm. this is, this is very much, you know, an episode sort of in that frame of, of saying like, life is a lot more complicated Mm -hmm. and like knowing who's good and who's bad is a lot more complicated than maybe Mm -hmm. even in these shows that we've been looking at in the Buffy verse, we've sort of been led to believe up yeah. till now and so and then you get like even in the middle of that's reinforced by things like um you know wesley who's like who's like going on about the pre-omotu you know what we're all supposed to think a creature can suddenly right. change his modus operandi overnight and it's like well that's exactly what happened with angel right so, and like, then you're like ooh, <clears throat> awkward and, you know and i think so it, and it's funny because like just thinking about what we were saying about how like 
with Clara going into the TARDIS and sort of like, you know, that kind of being like their, you know, four hour dinner date kind of thing where they, you know, you really get to know someone like this is, this is kind of like, this is what happens when the opposite, right? Like Angel and, and Cordy and Wesley just are like, Oh, big scary demon needs to be killed. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, if you'd taken the time to actually learn about what it's doing and why it's here and what it's actually, you know, helping to prevent, like, you don't, you don't actually know <laughs> this is kind of a weird sort of generic cliche, but like, you don't know the journey that that demon has been on. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, right, right. you know, spend five minutes in that demon's shoes and maybe you'll have right. a different perspective. And, and again, that's kind of corny and cliche, but, but that's kind of the point here too, is that, yeah, I mean, there are definitely demons out there who, and we've seen them and run into them and fought them. Well, by we, I mean vicariously through Angel yeah. and team. But like, you know, we, we've seen all that, but now now we're starting to see that there's there's a bit more nuance, a bit more shading to mm-hmm. all of the different types and different people. And the fact that, I mean, Caritas is hopping. Like, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of people, and by people, of course, I mean demons, right. who are there, you know, and, <clears throat> you know, and... And the fact that, like, this sort of sanctuary place not only exists but thrives, yeah, like, seems to imply something even beyond just, you know, just the idea that, okay, like, there might be some demons that are kind of not completely horrible. Like, this seems to be, like, fulfilling an actual need in sort of the demon community (laughs) yeah i'm glad you brought up the name and everything because like they do specifically call it a sanctuary and there's the sign that says like no weapons or violence or anything so like Mm -hmm. he's created this like safe space you know where yeah you know where you come in here and you know you can feel safe to like ask for help or ask for mercy and open yourself up and be vulnerable and sing on stage and someone will give you some advice and some guidance. And like, yeah, like you're not going to be, you know, you, you don't have to come in and fear judgment or attack, you know, uh, you kind of come in here because, uh, even these people or these demons need help. Um, so yeah, I definitely got that. And again, we don't know much about, that character or the, the, you know, Caritas yet, but like, it's, that was my impression was like, this is genuinely a, a safe space for demons, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it mm-hmm. seemed that way to me. Um, and yeah. And like, again, with, um, to bring up another theme cr- across the shows again, with the hypocrisy a little bit with angel of, yeah. Assuming that, you know, maybe most demons he meets are bad guys and are trying to do something wrong. But just the very fact that he's not should open them up to the possibility that that's not necessarily true. Um, And to assume that of other beings is, you know, maybe wise, but on the other hand, kind of cynical and, and kind of hypocritical, given that he knows the struggle that he's had to be, you know, a good guy and heroic and everything. Um, And that there might be other people like him who are on these quests for redemption. 
Um, mm. You know, and it's a, it's always, you know, what happens when you assume kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and, and that, I mean, that brings up the well-oiled machine sort of thing because you get yeah. the sense that, I mean, the op after, <clears throat> after the opening singing, you know, by the host, like you mm -hmm. get, you get this whole, like, you know, Cordy's doing her thing, Wesley's doing his thing, and, right. you know, Angel beeps them, and they go, you know, like, they just waltz into this gym and, like, mm -hmm. defeat, you know, interrupt this down, ritual yeah. and, you know, rescue these people and then just kind of walk out all cool and, you know, everything. And it's like, and, and that's cool and that's great. And, like, clearly, I mean, it was good that they went and rescued those people because they were about to die. So, yeah. like, you know, there's nothing wrong with that what's wrong is like you said is kind of the attitude that they have which is which is that you know they sort of feel like they can do no wrong mm -hmm. <laughs> you know and and you know so Cordy has a vision she doesn't I mean she kind of blames the powers that be there like oh you know yeah. thanks for the obscure vision but like all she, all, you know, she has this vision and it's like, ooh, I see this big scary monster thing. It needs to die. Like, yeah. so that's, you know, the direction that she gives. And then, of course, like, Angel's like, oh, yes, big scary monster. Of course it needs to die. And even Wesley, yeah. who, like, is typically the one who, you know, uh, warns or, or advises at least, you mm -hmm. know, to have more caution about things, is all sort of gung-ho with it, too. And, like, you know... Yeah. Yes, go find the demon and kill him. You know, so like right. like there's this there is almost this like sort of um like justice warrior kind of, you know, mentality like mm -hmm. everything we do is right because everything we do is right. <laughs> like yeah, you know, because it's, it's us doing it's, it and because we're on the good side. Yeah. Right. We're yeah. good guys, so everything we do is good and there's sort of an eye opener here of mm -hmm. well, okay, that actually seems to not be the case, and Angel ends up killing someone who's actually on their side, um, yeah, or at least, or or at least could be on their side. Like we we still don't know technically. Like maybe the demon had completely selfish reasons for why he wanted to protect this woman. We right. don't we don't actually know whatever, but the you know boils down to the fact that he was protecting the woman. So mm -hmm. like. You know, by killing him, Angel has actually put her in more danger than... Right. Than right. And that Cordy got this vision and then realizes in retrospect that she wasn't... She. It seems like she realizes that she didn't have, like, an association of fear with it, which would imply that normally she does. Like, if it's a, if it's right. a, if it's a dangerous situation, she'll get a sense of, oh, this is you know, this is a bad guy, you know, whereas in hindsight, she goes, oh, well, that explains why I didn't have these feelings. So you kind of have the sense that maybe they were supposed to go help this demon in his quest, you know, maybe, right. maybe that demon needed help. Um, you know, maybe he was struggling to protect her, or maybe wouldn't have been a good champion or something like, maybe they were supposed to assist him and they got, you know, Mm -hmm. uh a little confused and a little bit cocky um right and as like the host says it's the thing that comes before the fall and everything you know so um yeah you know yeah end up making a bit of a mistake um 
I guess to round out, I don't have a lot to say about uh, the Prio Motu demon um, mm, and the yeah. pregnant woman and the tribunal. Like, I, to be honest, I didn't even catch. Apparently, she has a name and it's Joe. And it's Joe. Um, but I don't think that's even really in the episode necessarily. Um, yeah, and, so, and if it is, like I didn't catch it either. I only yeah. know that from looking at like the Wikipedia page. Right. <laughs> uh, um, so. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I don't. It like don't know yeah, that I the, have a lot to say. And actually, the first time through, I had a little bit of trouble following the plot. It seemed right. like it jumped around a little bit, and like. The second time I was like, okay, I'm really going to concentrate because following the leaps to all the different, how they figured out, you know, with the talisman and who has the thing and who are the tribunal and what are yeah. they supposed to do? Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a it MacGuffin. It kind of like, lost me a little bit. Yeah, who has first. the MacGuffin and where did it go? Like right. that, that's, it's not a big deal, honestly. Um, we never meet Joe again. She is protected now by some tribunal people, right. and okay, great, good for her. We don't ever know what happens in her story after right. this, so um, okay, it's not that important. Like, the important thing, I think, is again, sort of all the stuff we've been saying about sort of the insights into mm-hmm. both the progress that the angel team has made, but also some of their failings, and so and and not just failings, but failings sort of in light of that progress and success that they've had Mm -hmm. um so i think those are as we've said many times with doctor who like the the actual like plot of the story is less important than the sort of insight that it brings to to the character the character the main characters um and so speaking of that let's let's talk about angel a little bit more um so i mean in in addition to this kind of pride of I'm the good guy and therefore I can kind of do no wrong attitude. There's also this kind of like sense in the episode that he has become a bit distracted by what he learned in the finale about Mm. his, you know, uh, redemption and mortality being, uh, within grasp. Um, you know, so you kind of, after they go to the gym, He's talking about how great gyms are and how how fun it is to be around. Like this is Angel the Loner, like you know, fantasizing about how nice it is to be around people and what a good motivator that is. And like, you know, that kind of that alone shows you the kind of sea change that he would even want that. That that would even be something attractive to him. Um, sure. You know, and at the end, kind of saying to Cordy. Um, you know, that he saw the light at the end of the tunnel, um, and it was so bright he thought he was already out. Um, so, again, like, letting his guard down a bit um, with, you know, both just assuming that because he will be redeemed one day that that means that everything he does is necessarily good, um, but just, you know, being so concerned with his own salvation that he's maybe neglecting the salvation of some other people um, right. or that they might need saving as well. Um, 
Well, and even and even that, you know, the whole thing like with the, you know, we shouldn't be keeping count. Like it's not Yeah. Like you don't get redemption by saying, "Oh, I've saved 100 lives and now I'm going to turn in my coupons for a, right. one free redemption." You right, know, right. <laughs> chit or whatever. Like it, yeah, like there's this idea that like even just keeping track of that kind of stuff is completely missing the point and maybe mm-hmm. not putting you in the right frame of mind for actually finding the redemption you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So like, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's all, that's all I agree with. Yeah. That. Actually, that reminds me of uh, a C.S. Lewis quote, which I saw on Twitter floating around the other day about um, selflessness isn't, thinking less of yourself it's thinking of yourself less and so i feel like that's part of his trip up here it's it's not necessarily about i mean it is about putting other people first but it's also just not considering you know as long as he's sitting there you know like you said uh tallying up the roster of how many saves this week then he's not thinking about other people. He's not being selfless. It's it's about what do I need to do to earn, you know, this thing that I want. But you feel like he's only really going to earn that thing that he wants if he stops trying to earn it and just does the right thing by other people, not for what it can earn for himself. Right. Um, so you have, like, it's like he has to find a way to just almost pretend like he never even heard that in the first place and put it out of his mind and just focus on who needs help right now in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and it kind of sucks that you have to learn that by killing somebody, but at least he learned the lesson, you know? Sure. (laughs) And hey, it was only a demon. (laughs) And hey, it was only a demon. Um... Well, the other um, big angel thing that I do want to spend a couple minutes on here is uh, his karaoke performance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I got, I did get a big kick out of the angel, a vampire with soul uh, joke. Because I feel like that yeah. has just been waiting to happen. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like, and we've talked about finding opportunities for David Boreanaz to be funny, you know, within Mm -hmm. the confines of what is appropriate, you know, for Angel, because he's such a serious and straight-faced character. So forcing him to sing in public definitely seems, and of course to sing, like, you know, the sappy love standard of Mandy, you know. Um, Right, because he thinks it's pretty. Because he thinks it's pretty. And, And it's just that... Uh, you know, half step out of pitch that makes it like, yeah, so annoying because <laughs> it's like it's not even like egregiously out of pitch. It's just that little bit that like, oh, he's tone deaf and he can't really hear it. Um, yeah, no, I thought he did. He did a really good job with the awkward singing. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And and shows that clearly it doesn't actually matter what you sing for the host no. to be able to do what he needs to do. But I like that he sort of like ribs him 
about it. Like, so why Mandy? Yeah, he wants <laughs> you to know. know. Like, gets um, the. Well, and yeah. and and yeah, like okay, how the quality of your singing that doesn't matter, and what you sing doesn't matter, but what matters is your openness and your honesty, right. and it, it's important that whatever you tell him, you tell him the truth. It seems to me like he says, like you know, like when he asks, like why Mandy, and then Angel answers, he's like, well, kudos for you for being honest because mm-hmm. that enables him to have insight. Um, right. And, 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 and that pride was part of it. You know, he wouldn't sing before because he was too proud and then look what happened, you know? And so now it's like, this is his humbling experience of, again, I'm going to do this thing that is not what I want to do. It's not about what makes me look good, but it's something I'm willing to do for somebody else and right. that that vulnerability is what gives the host the opportunity to get like a good you know reading off of him and everything yeah and and the <laughs> the fact that he had put singing in front of people you know on par with dying and yeah or losing his soul again like right. th- those are the like those are the three things he can't do he doesn't tan date or sing right. in front of people like right. those are the those are the three things. Like, this is just as terrible as losing his soul or being killed outright. Yeah. Um, you know, but yes, like, he's willing to do it. Um, and yeah, so, like, with with the host, you know, I think... Like, I think the important thing is not that, like, he would... Like, that he knew the real reason why Angel, you know, picked Mandy. Like, I think he needed Angel to tell him that. But that... Mm-hmm by reading the aura, he would at least know whether he was telling the truth. And so again, you can like, you know, again, not really knowing what the host's motivations himself are. I think you can actually read into that a little bit to say like, you know, that, that one, he appreciates the honesty. Like Mm -hmm. he can tell that angel is being honest and he appreciates that honesty, but also that like, not just that he appreciates the honesty, but that like he was kind of hoping Angel would be honest, like that there's something there's something there that the host sees is valuable. So I think if nothing else, that at least tips him towards the likable and like probably on Angel's side, right. you know, of things. Um, <clears throat> but again, that's like never it's not explicitly stated and. It does require a little reading into it, I think, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, that's, we can take that as we will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Angel, I mean, I think that's, that's certainly where we get to by the end is, is that Angel has that realization that as much as they've been fighting and probably, and, and legitimately doing good things, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to apply that, like, you know, they've been so stuck up that everything they do is bad or anything. No. It's just that it was setting them up for failure. Yeah. yeah. And that and that they do have that failure in this episode, you know, and sort of ultimately come back around and fix things. But but it is that that place where I think he gets to by the end of the episode of okay, we need to sort of do, like Doctor Who, we need to sort of do a reset here. Mm-hmm. And, and 
you know, figure out what it is our actual goals should be yeah. uh, as far as, you know, what we're trying to do, um, you know, through, through angel investigation. So, and, and so you get a number of, I mean, you know, okay, so they're set up right now in Cordy's apartment and, mm-hmm. and seems like they have been for like a few months. Like, yeah. we don't know. I think we can sort of take this in real time. So like, you know, their offices got blown up at the end of last season. And then like there was right. the summer months and like now yeah. we're back in September, you know, yeah. or whatever it is, uh, you know, doing, you know, doing stuff where they've been sort of working out of Cordy's apartment for a while. So you get sort of the throwaway line of like, we need to get out of here. Like we need to find a new office mm-hmm. again. Um, and, you know, we need to, we need to sort of, get our focus back on Mm -hmm. just helping people and not keeping track and not, you know, doing those things that are sort of more or, or, you know, less personal and that are like more impersonal, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, where that goes. Oh, so, uh, you know, again, he goes to gun for help. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we see this as a recurring, mm-hmm. a recur- and I mean, you know, and it makes sense. I mean, Gunn, you know, has more knowledge of like sort of the seedier sides of town and whatever, you know. Um, so he's he's helping him search sort of through the underbelly to find this yeah. demon lair and whatever. But um, no, it seems like they have. <clears throat> a shorthand and kind of a rapport now of, you know, that, you know, they're, they seem comfortable with each other. Like they're, um, Mm -hmm. you know, not surprised. He's guns, not surprised to see angels sort of pop up and, and have kind of a job for him and, and he's willing and ready to help too. Right. Um, So it seems like, yeah. Like again, if, if we assume that it's been a couple months since we've seen, we already saw them, you know, help each other before. And now it seems like they've continued that and are getting more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and yeah. now we get Gunn actually meeting Cordy and Wesley, Cordy and Wesley. although he's seen them before. Right. They they right. didn't really see him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like how he sort of messes with them a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And he kind of knows that he kind of anticipates that they'll be kind of awkward around him. So he like mm-hmm. goes out of his way to make them a little bit uncomfortable and <laughs> kind of messes with them a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. So, so we get sort of the introduction to the rest of the team there. Um, and again, like gun still has his street crew, so it's not like, right. you know, he's joining them per se, but certainly becoming more of an ally there. Uh, so, so yeah. yeah. So um and as far as like Cordy and Wesley go, like I don't know that there's a ton to say about them mm-hmm. that we have like other than what we've sort of already said in relation to Angel and sort of their own yeah part in or parts in in what happened with the 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 protector demon there and the um Yeah. The Priomotu and and all of that, but yeah, you know, there's, there's, I mean, even like at the beginning with Wesley, like throwing the darts and stuff, like you do get mm-hmm. a sense that he's actually sort of growing into his own skin a bit. Although mm-hmm. you still get, I still love the look away where he's, you know, he's, he's going to ah. throw the dart and then you <laughs> yeah. realize he hit someone. 
But um, again, so. it's always that Wesley thing of he's doing really well until he knows that the girl's watching, and then he when he's right. trying to impress, that's when it goes off. But like, yep. you know, um, but he actually was good at it for a little while there. Um, and then with Cordy too, you get a sense that she's still you know pursuing her acting career, mm-hmm. but more of a willingness for her, I think, to drop it. Like when Angel beeps. There's sort of no hesitation. She sort of just mm. says, you know, I have to go. So, like, you know, and you get her reaffirming that with him, too. Like, okay, I'm not saying I won't have a day job, but she's also promising him that she's not going to leave, that she's going to continue to, you know, support him and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. That more serious side that we saw at the end of uh, season one, I think. Right, right. Uh, where, you know, she's still kind of affirming that commitment that she made. Um, yeah. Right. Where she said, you know, we need, we need to help them. We like she, you know, where she was bombarded with all right. of that. Um, those young. And, I'll, and so um, also too, to just point out, so like we get, we get the fact that she's still had, she's still having these visions. So it's yeah. like, you know, what, what happened with the spell at the end didn't take the visions away. It just sort right, of re- right. removed the, uh, like I don't know the focusing or like the enhancing effect that um, yeah the demon I forget his name had on on her started with, a, started with a V or something right anyway oh like Voku or something yeah Voka Voka that's what it was um yeah like the the that the Voka demon had on her uh like to enhance or to like bombard her with those requests like now it's like just sort of reverted back but like also i mean they're still clearly painful and you know kind of force her to double over but like she seems to be handling them better Mm -hmm. and just is kind of like taking it more in stride and and being willing you know to like describe it so that angel can draw it or what you know whatever the situation is right um, well, the only other thing with Wesley that leads me into the next bit is, um, we also get him working to try to figure out still what Wolfram and Hart, um, raised mm. in the box that I guess as a side project, he's speculating as to there's like, they, they haven't forgotten about that. They're still trying to figure it out. Um, so then, you know, we cut to Wolfram and Hart, um, where Lindsay's struggling with his, prosthetic his like you know plastic hand or whatever he has um and uh and daryl is there um and not quite is in bad shape as she was when we last saw her it seems like she's a bit more herself now that kind of um more confident you know uh self that she normally has. yeah um, and, and and the memories are starting to come back but she's talking right. about you know oh i remember now that you know he killed me and and he got his soul back and you know oh it's been a long time i'd love to see that boy so um right you know her life is starting to come back to her and all her memories and everything yeah so yep and she likes 
Chopin and Brahms, Chopin and Brahms, but not too fond of the Russians. So. So there you go. There you go. I don't know uh, enough about classical music to know what to read into that. So I. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, like I mean, I don't know that there's much to say about that per se, but um, the. Yeah, like, and obviously, like, it's a very brief snippet. Like, we just get that pretty close to the beginning and don't mm-hmm. don't see them again. So, you know, again, sort of, you know, this is the bleed over from, from the end of season one. But, like, we're also maybe starting to see that, like, there are some themes developing here that are, that are going to be more seasonal yeah. in nature than, you know, like, you know, again, and not that we didn't have sort of kind of an arc, you know, to, to season one, but it very much was more the weekly procedural. I mm-hmm. think, you know, as as we might expect, uh, that season two might be a little more uh, arc mythology kind of stuff, mm-hmm. dealing with the things of like, like we've been talking about all along, like what it makes a good demon versus a bad demon Mm -hmm. you know or or just a demon like you know that may do good sometimes and may not do good sometimes and um and then what's you know how how will darla play into Mm -hmm. you know whether whether at wolfram and hart's uh sort of urging or Mm -hmm. you know despite their urgings, you know, what, yeah. what, yeah, I mean, you know, I think we can expect that one way or another, Darla's going to have her own ideas about what needs to happen and mm-hmm. whether that fits into Wolfram and Hart's plans, like it, maybe it will, and maybe it won't, you know, I think right. those, that'll be the, that'll be sort of, because we've, I mean, we've talked before about how like their plans never seem to quite go the way they want them to. Yeah. So, they're like, a little, they're a little bumbling. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean they're it's... definitely a threat, but also again with these kind of junior partners, it seems like they're mm-hmm. still learning uh things don't their plans seem to backfire yeah. occasionally. Um, well, and even that like perhaps just their by their very nature like they're dealing with, you know, quote clients that are much more powerful than they are and who have their own sort of strong headed opinions about the ways things should go. So like, yeah, like you've had these other like assassins and, you know, rituals and things going on that like haven't worked out so well. So, you know, what makes you think that Darla will? (laughs) That's a really good point because I hadn't thought to connect Darla to faith. But there is a connection there that, like, yeah. that's why, you know, so and we get both of them, like, it ends with faith, you know. Of, right. And that is an example of someone who they hired to kill Angel that seemed like a shoo-in of an obvious person who has the motivation and the capability. And she ends up, like, checking herself into jail, you know, <laughs> with Angel's blessing to go, like, better right. herself. And, and it's like and not it, only like blessing, but he's actively visiting her. Exactly. Like, yeah. Now is, they're like best friends. So right. yeah, it does make he's, me wonder. He's almost like her sponsor. Like, right. get, right. you know, this is so 
soul Rian sold anonymous or right, something right. like i don't know yes the, like psychopath right anonymous or something yeah <laughs> so it makes you wonder how's this gonna go with darla like again we all thought that faith well you know uh had enough hatred to get the job done and and she didn't so you know i guess darla's on as a actual vampire she's on a different level but still it makes you wonder you know, yeah. is this going to go quite as according to plan as they hope? Um, we'll yeah, see. and 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 what exactly are her like her motivations may not be what we align, think they are, yeah. or they might not align. Like and and I like I mean I don't want to like we shouldn't I don't want to leave anyone with the impression that like Darla is going to be another faith and that like oh suddenly she and Angel are going to be all buddy-buddy, you know, again, mm-hmm. either. Like, that would be boring because we've already seen that. But, you know, there are many potential options that are not, you know, cozying up to Angel, but also not doing what Wolfram and Hart wants her to do right. <laughs> necessarily right. in the way that they want her to do it or whatever. So, yeah, like, I mean, you know, sort of the the drama of Lindsay and Lila the continued drama, you know, of their, of their, like you said, junior partnership or whatever you want to call it is funny. And it's sort of ongoing mm-hmm. ineptitude. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely that. Uh, and so, I mean, we brought up faith, so let's, I mean, I don't know that there's a ton to say, but yeah, just the fact that like angel is apparently going to see her and, and not just like, like, it seems like, I mean, maybe not every week or anything, but, like, it seems like he's at least gone a few times since yeah. we've seen her before. And that, like, this clearly doesn't seem like the only time. And that she's happy to see him and to talk mm-hmm. to him and, um, you know, and sort of talk through the issues and the problems that she's having. It. I mean, you know, I was kind of joking about the sponsor thing, but it kind of is that. Yeah. In a well, way. Well, like, and literally because, like, your sponsor, like, if you're in AA it is someone who's been through the program. So it's it's not just some right. benevolent do-gooder. It's like somebody who knows what you're going through and is right. on that same path, maybe just a few steps ahead, which is literally where they are. You know, he can't, he can't judge her because he's done worse things than she has, but he's still further enough along that he can encourage her and mentor her and give her some guidance. So... And- And receive from her, you know, something that he can't get from anyone else because no one else can really, like Cordy and Wesley can't understand Understand. that for, you know, from his perspective either. So like. Right. So there's a mutual support going on there. Yeah. 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 And her kind of admitting that it's hard to not to want um, to destroy someone who attacks her, you know, in in Mm -hmm. the yard but that she's learning that kind of restraint and, you know, she'll fight back, but she also realizes I'm in here because of the things that I did. So it's not as though I'm totally innocent either. Um, so it seems like she's, you know, gained that kind of insight um, that she was lacking before. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so, yeah, like, I don't, I mean, were you expecting to see Faith? <laughs> no, 
No, not um, at all. No, I was totally surprised. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, and, I, it, I didn't. Um, I didn't think about it to be honest. Like I didn't. Exp I wasn't even wondering whether we would or not. It just sort of uh, sprung up on me. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So no, that was good. And again, this sense of we're not necessarily going to see faith every episode, but a sense of laying the groundwork for like longer term themes and storylines and how okay even if she's not a main character we can't forget about faith you know because we're going to come back to that occasionally yeah um yeah and i won't i mean i won't it would be surprising i think if I were to say we will never see faith again. So I won't right. say that like, but I won't say when or how or in what circumstances right. um, we might see, we might see faith again. Um, but yeah, like definitely, definitely does kind of sneak up on you here. And, and they put, actually didn't, they put um, Eliza Dushku's, uh they only put her in the closing credits. They didn't put right. her in the opening credits. So like, just to kind of keep that, Keep it uh, under wraps, yeah. Yeah, keep that there. So, so yeah. all right. Well, we don't. Um, I don't really have any other pieces. Any other final thoughts? We can end a few minutes early. Um, no, no. I think I think <clears throat> we're all good. Yeah, sets so a good a good stage for the season, though. I think, and, and yeah. gives some good good ideas of at least some of the themes that we'll be looking at. So. We'll be back next week, though, with some more season five of Buffy and, and maybe getting to learn a little more about the new character there yeah. of Dawn. Yeah. Uh, or maybe not. I don't. We might not as well. I'm just saying. All right. I'm, a, I'm terrible. I, at, at this like, point, I wouldn't I wouldn't even presume to guess. So, yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll see you next week. All right. See you then. Mm -hmm.